TSR Podcast with Jacob and Bo. We have two special guests joining us on this week's show, and these two guys are doing something pretty unique for NCAA athletes all across the country. Let's introduce these guys as Derek and Derek. I'm just going to start <laughs> calling you guys that. Derek Davis and Derek Furlow Jr. How are you guys doing today? Doing really well. Thanks for having us on. Awesome, man. Awesome. Can't complain on this end. Thanks for having us. Yeah, man. Woke up this morning, right? We're already Amen. blessed. Amen. <laughs> 2020, it's all you can ask for. Yeah, exactly. that's right. That's right. It's been a weird year. Um, so, guys, I'm going to tell everyone a little bit about both of you, and you guys tell me if I leave anything out. Um, now, Derek, I'm going to start with you. You graduated from the University of Tennessee College of Law in 2018. You said you wanted to find a way to help impact, inspire, and empower your favorite type of entrepreneur. And that is the competitive athlete, which I love the way you put that. That's awesome, by the way. You won me over with that immediately. Um, but what made you want to do this? Well, frankly, um, I guess I kind of grew up. I grew up just always uh, loving sports, never knowing that uh, I could make something out of it uh, exactly in, in, the, in the performance context on the field. But knowing these guys have so many things that, that are involved in their lives that you can't even anticipate how big they can get and how quickly they can get there. Um, you know, and actually it's ironic that I met D'Lo and after probably being in the stands and watching him play, uh, he had that mentality. He kind of saw the vision of, of what it took to compete on the field and um, how to transition that into something bigger than sports and how to how to inform people about how to to follow certain procedures that um you know are more or less a protocol that you could you could repeat uh, from what you did on the field and made sense there uh, in business context and education contexts and just knowing that you can use those experiences to to leverage opportunities uh for the future and then of course as soon as the name image and likeness conversation opens that door um you know all of a sudden every college uh, athlete is a potential licensee of of a trademark or um you know some sort of endorsement contract where they can put themselves out there and be affiliated with companies um, and everybody can get a little bit more uh, bang for buck out of their right of publicity that every other professional athlete is entitled to but only recently college athletes will be entitled to um, you know at least as of as of 2021 it's looking like Florida is going to be allowing it and Nebraska might even be pushing the envelope uh, quicker than that so um, interesting things to come and it's just a matter of me loving sports and hoping that I can help some college athletes figure out how they can um, you know monetize the situation and prepare for the future future now as opposed to uh whenever they finally go pro yeah man i think it's a really cool idea you know when we at first talked on the phone when you explained everything you were doing or both of you were doing it was just very very unique to me i love the idea and the way you guys are trying to help out these athletes now delo i'm a i'm gonna go with you next now you're a former tennessee football player so go balls and you also completed your master's in sports psychology and bachelor's in legal studies in the four years you were at school while playing football, which is incredible. I mean, that we can just all stop right there and say that that's absolutely incredible. And Dilo, you are also the leader of the ex-hunger movement, which is a mission to end hunger in America. So Dilo, tell us a little bit about your time at Tennessee and a little bit about the ex-hunger movement. Bro, if I, if I tell y'all everything, we're going to be on here forever. Um, yeah, we might just do the whole, the whole show, right? <laughs> but no, th- thanks for having us on, man. And um, I was at the University of Tennessee from 2005 or 2009. And in that process, we had, a, had um, a coaching change from Coach Foreman to Coach Kiffin. So I had a chance to see the business of athletics and just realizing that, hey, it, it is a business at the end of the day, um, even more um, beyond the, the athletic side of things um, as an athlete. 
even in the coaching side of things. So that kind of gave me a different perspective and a different outlook. And in my time, um, seeing guys that came before me transition into their life after sports and struggle, I realized I was on that same path or that same trajectory. If I didn't know what was next for me, if this lead thing didn't work out, and sure enough, um, it didn't work out. I was fortunate enough to play arena ball, but it, it wasn't the league. So I knew if I didn't find a plan or a purpose or some uh, put something together that I was going to struggle too. So um, I just started to pay attention and I realized that sports had a lot of intangible transferable skills that um, could correlate off the field, off the court, off the, off the track, out the pool. And once I started to see what some of those things were, um, I started to correlate them when I transitioned to my life about sports and started to thrive in certain areas. And that's when that, that aha moment hit me of, hey, every athlete could use these intangible transferable skills if they knew how to have a takeaway, how to correlate them and how to carry them over to the next phase of life and business. So that's been the mission. Um, I knew I was put here to impact, inspire and empower people. Um, I just wasn't sure what people it was going to be. Then I was fortunate enough to discover it was going to be my peers and athletes and from that point moving forward, we've just been on a mission to, to, to help athletes transition like a champion. And in that process, of course, um, athletics, you got a stage. And I've been fortunate enough to use that stage to inspire people, impact people. And hunger was one of those things that you can help instantly. And I had was fortunate enough when I was younger, I, I had the free lunch card. So that fortunate um, um incident of not being able to make enough money and you had to get free lunch at school when mm -hmm. i got older it, it let me just open up the open the door to just realize hey i got this stage why don't we use it for something bigger than sports to impact people and let them know they can help too and the impact and, and show people that hey you can use the stage for something good for for other than your own benefit so the ex-hunger movement was started with our scarecrow foundation is the 501c3 so man we on a mission to help you help in hunger in America by helping local food pantries and our ex hunger. Um, people can go to exhunger.com and see more de details on it, but that's our national rollout. And we help create these ex hunger clubs at high schools and colleges because we know high schoolers and college students need service hours. So they can start an ex hunger club and they get those service hours by volunteer or locating the food pantry, understand that food pantry's mission and then volunteering and supporting. So, um, if they do it at a food pantry, the food pantry gets more volunteers to support to help their mission, which is to end the feed people, which is to end hunger. And those service hours are given to those high school and college students. So we realize there are a lot of high schools and colleges out here. So we can impact more food pantries if we put those ex-hunger clubs in high schools and colleges. So it was kind of a win-win situation. So that's a lot in a little bit. So yeah, that, 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 that sums it up. <laughs> it's definitely a lot in a little bit. You guys yeah. are making me feel like I need to go out and change the world. right? Yeah, now. And I, I, I want to <laughs> jump in. I want to jump in and just say uh, to, to D'Lo about the, the ex hunger movement. I really respect that. Uh, my grandmother here and me growing up, we're really close to a food pantry, a local food pantry here that helps a lot of people. And she really devoted the back end of her years after retirement to that food pantry. And I just want to say, I respect that a lot, what you're doing. Appreciate that, man. Appreciate your grandma for for for, for planting that seed in you and, and, and showing you that example. Um, but I've seen is a lot of people want to help and want to start and want to give back, but they may not know where to start. And I see this as a simple way that people can start where they at with what they got, man. And it don't take a lot to help help people. Um, so that's that's pretty much the mission, man. A little that's bit of effort awesome. can go a long way. A little, just a little bit of effort can do so much, and I don't think a lot of people realize that. So so thank you for pointing that out, D'Lo. 
So let me ask you guys both this question. Why will college athletes soon be able to monetize their names, images, and likenesses? All right, so I guess uh, zooming out, we've we've known for a little while that college athletes, um, you know, nobody wanted to uh, adopt. I guess the the word that was more pejorative was pay for play uh, type of situation. Um, you know, from a recruiting angle, from you know certain athletes just making buku bucks at eighteen. Uh, you know, whatever the problem, people wanted to identify. Public opinion has somewhat shifted uh, pretty quickly there, and uh, people are starting to see that they have personal rights, just like celebrities have personal rights, and um, you know, from the time that they were 13 and getting recruited by Alabama, they probably had some nickname and uh, they were probably known by something that's more or less a trademark. And uh, a lot of the money and a lot of the power, a lot of the recognition has gone to and stayed with the universities or the organizations, NCAA, um, even though it was the athlete that was bringing that power. Without the athlete, you never had any of that attention or energy being generated. And, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's way too easy to think of the different examples of people that got injured and overnight, um, you know, their, their value potentially as far as what they could have earned in the next five years or over the course of a lifetime just immediately flipped. And there's really not any insurance built into uh, the current system. And I think that people are starting to see that the name image likeness conversation can help some people start to think about ways, if nothing else, to restructure what they want to do um, as far as money planning at, at 18 to, uh, to 22 to get some of those lessons about, um, you know, how you manage and conduct yourself, not just as an athlete, but, um, you know, as a representative of your community and your school. And, um, you know, I think the more that the schools get on board with that, the more that they can be on the front end of being in control and setting up the guide rails to say, here's how we can appropriately navigate the situation without allowing, um, you know, it's it more or less to, to distill into who can pay the most, who can generate uh, the most amount of licenses to draw in the athletes, to keep them here, um, you know, because that's that's certainly a fear. And I think Congress is recognizing it. And actually, uh, you know, within the past week, uh, the NAIA just really pushed the bill. They've actually gone full bore and they passed some pretty uh, landmark name, image and likeness legislation that will be implemented um, immediately. And as of right now, uh, Florida, as I mentioned, is already saying as of 2021, you're in, in July, uh, going to see athletes be able to do this legitimately and still be, um, you know, participating in college sports, which previously that was, um, you know, you'd lose your scholarships, you'd have sanctions, you'd have all kinds of things that would crack mm. down from the top. But the NCAA has been freeing those restrictions up for some time. Um, you know, if you've been watching the situation really closely, you might remember that uh, there were some players from Northwestern. I want to say that was 2014. Um, you know, about six to eight years ago, they they more or less tried to go and push the chain, uh, you know, see see what could happen if they decided to unionize or whatever. And I think the employment aspect perhaps, um, you know, made a lot of people nervous, especially when you start getting state actors involved. But, you know, right now it's just piecemeal. Everybody's sitting back and watching. And, um, you know, frankly, as much as I love my state of Tennessee, they're one of the few states that really hasn't done a ton to, um, you know, look at it on a local level to see how the name image likeness situation is changing. Um, you know, but Nebraska has said there has to be something by 2023 in place uh, so that the schools can't preclude uh, athletes from going forth and getting these contracts based on their name, image, and likeness, um, you know, with, with a, a local car lot or, um, you know, whichever other company decides they want to run a promo. Um, there, there are just so many examples of people trying to monetize it and the NCAA shutting it down, which I think, D'Lo, you might even have a better example from your days, um, you know, what you tried to spark up whenever you were actually on the football team as well. Yeah, it's, um, 
Uh, it's past the statute of limitations, so we good. I can't get nobody on probation, so <laughs> so, so 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 we're good, man. Um, but yeah, in, in in college in general, it's always looked at when people say, "Hey, athletes getting this free education," and I, I always like to adjust that because it's it's not free. They earn the scholarship, so they're earning the education. Um, so yeah, absolutely, it, the, the words. It's always been a little off. So this idea of being able to get paid is like, okay, you're already getting an education getting paid for. However, when you start looking at the rest of the money that's getting brought in, it's like, okay, it's, it's a lot of people getting, getting stuff paid for, but it's still so much more to go around. Why don't you find a way to share it? So in general, um, in college, my sophomore year, I got introduced to this nutritional product that helped my knee. It was a plant-based product. So I started using it. It helped my knee. I ain't had to get a drain to get a cortisone shot. Sure enough, I said, I felt like every athlete should have it. So I started telling people about it. Everybody was on board with it. However, when it came out that we had did a testimony and that testimony got showed on YouTube, I got called in and it was like, hey, did you guys do a commercial? And I'm like, no, nah, we didn't do no commercial. And then that video got played and it was pretty much a violation. Um, so they got took down. <laughs> and we, 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 we were clear. However, at that point, moving forward, all the things that we could have been doing to brand ourselves or make money off of a product that we was using that was helping us, it was frowned upon, scrutinized, not allowed to a degree. Um, and in that process, I had the chance to see a lot of um, adults get paid millions, like literally 20 coaches. Um, made millions from that particular product saying, hey, we used it, but we couldn't necessarily benefit from it how they could from a monetary perspective. So that was my first time wow. up close in person seeing that. So it was one of those things. Um, I learned some things from it, but that was one of those things that I always said in the back of my mind of how I could have branded and used it how they did. <clears throat> this whole trying to get to the lead thing probably would have came to an end real quick because we had the stage and the platform to, to let a product um, pretty much help us get paid from it so it was interesting um a little frustrating back then now it's all good i learned a lot got some good relationships but that's definitely um what the athletes will have the opportunity to do this time around and um i think it's well overdue it's just a matter of managing it right where well, guys don't get distracted and get in trouble because um, everybody's not um, probably going to do it the right way yeah um, there's a lot of people that could try to take advantage of it or mess guys up so long as it's, long as it's done accordingly i'm all about helping um letting guys take advantage of the work they put in not just guys in general but athletes in, as a whole um so i, I think it's definitely a, a, a blessing in disguise and it shouldn't be made as complicated as it is yeah that's incredible man so when it comes to and bro i want you to help me out with this when it comes to likeness and you know name and image of a player growing up watching football and you know again i'm a big time georgia fan so obviously i remember this but bro you remember when todd Gurley? signed a couple of autographs and mm -hmm. i remember that year was fantastic for me and my bulldogs because it looked like he was going to win the heisman that year yeah and he ended up getting suspended i believe it was five games i believe i, I remember reggie bush ended up getting in trouble and reggie bush is pretty much who made me fall in love with football just watching reggie bush um who are some other players though that come to your mind or any of any of you guys that that you know ran into problems with things as autographs or anything like that Definitely Reggie Bush comes to mind off the top yeah. of my head. <laughs> oh yeah. Who was Reggie the kicker Bush? from UCF a few years ago? He had the, he had a YouTube channel. Oh yeah, he got the guy. YouTube channel. Yeah. He's 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 done now, but yeah. Uh, okay, uh, wait, so so you a YouTube channel, explain to me. Explain. 
Oh, his, he's been getting paid off his YouTube channel while he was at UCF, but then they 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 took him. They said he couldn't do it, and he didn't he didn't shut it down. So it cost him his um, cost him his collegiate career. Well, yeah, he, but wow. you can find him on YouTube right now. He 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 he's he's major a major YouTuber. Um, so so he stayed doing it. So he just kept yeah. doing it. Yeah, he was already getting paid. He 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 exactly. was already making enough money. It, like he was could kick and try to get drafted, and, and it could go. I think he made it made it made it to the CFL maybe this year. Um, but or last year, but other than that, I mean, it was he was already getting paid. It was not going. What would you give up a check because they said you, you, you they don't want you making money and you're kicking and you already know your odds of being a, going to the league kicking is already slim. So if you're already making money, you just leave early, and that's what it wow. did. I did not know that was the situation with that. Now, now, Derek, let me ask you this: You were mentioning with Florida. You said mm-hmm. either right now Florida is allowing players. Is it right now, or is it soon to it, be? They're going the to be bill has players. been passed. Uh, so okay. Florida is one of the. I, I think there are four or five states. Um, you know, I know for for sure Nebraska and Florida because those are the two that seem like they're going to hit uh, sooner as opposed to later. But California is 2023. I want to say I think Colorado is 2023, um, and then most of the other states, if they've looked at it, they've just kind of sat back and frankly it's a little bit of a mess because you've got you've got personal rights in um you know your your rights in persona anything that people would think of associated with you as an individual and um you know movie stars are perhaps a good example in in la hollywood whatever um you know you see a lot of photograph lawsuits all the time um where it's it's really worth a lot of money for them to put that that picture up on Instagram with a certain endorsement or whatever. Um, you know, so there's naturally going to be lawsuits whenever there's quite a bit of money. Uh, but they've, they've otherwise had a lot of, of state by state responses. Tennessee, I guess, was based on Elvis Presley precedent for the most part. Um, but they haven't done anything for college students specifically, but on, on a federal level, you've got Congress taking certain steps. Um, I want to say there's a, there's a representative, uh, Anthony Gonzalez, I believe is, is leading a charge and doing a really good job of, um, you know, being involved in these committees and getting something done on a federal level, which is really what needs to happen at this point. Um, you know, maybe you leave the states. I, I'd love to say that the states could, uh, you know, have a pretty uniform system. But I think the more that you've got certain states doing it one way and other states doing it a different way, maybe that does create a little bit of that recruiting advantage in some ways. But, um, you know, either way, I, I think we're going to see a lot of legislation and a lot of attention um, in the next few years. And when that specifically rolls out is, is going to be... Um, uh, you know, a little bit uh, location to location for the next, I'm going to say year and a half to two years. Yeah. But after that, I say within the next five, we're probably going to have a federal, um, you know, uniform system where it says all the colleges, uh, you know, it, everybody in the NCAA, um, you know, NAIA, whatever, they are going to at least have to recognize the right of the athlete to monetize their own image. Um, you know, so yeah, as of, as of July, 2021, um, I mean, I, if I'm playing football at, at Miami, I can go out and I can sign a contract and, um, you know, maybe it's a license deal based on how many touchdowns I score, how many home runs I hit, or, uh, you know, maybe there's incentives that are working out or maybe if the schools are smart they're thinking about ways that they could really get some benefit um you know for the entire community and they're saying how could we go and get some sort of uh you know pro rata share of of each contract you know if every athlete takes 10 percent of of the contract and it goes into a pool for all the students or something like that um you know so not not dissimilar to a a players association that you see at the federal or at the uh, you know professional level now, um, you know, but they're going to have to work with agents. They're you know the the pros. You you've got to have an agent more or less to negotiate yeah. these contracts uh, if you want to get the numbers that you otherwise you probably can't walk into the room and get yourself. 
that power dynamics also shifting uh, for the better. But at the same time for right now, um, you can't expect 18 year old kids to walk in the room and to know how to posture themselves, which is, you know, where the representation element is going to be important um, and where the schools need to do a good job of playing that role of helping the the athlete know um you know what they need to be thinking about and when they need to be speaking with people um and that's just going to be a very big very uh, cumbersome process that people are going to figure out over the next few years um you know but we'll see we'll see specifically how quickly things start rolling uh, probably based on the success of the schools that that are willing to take the the lead and, and try something out on the front end derek it's great speaking with with both of you guys i'm going to be completely honest you guys pretty much cover when I ask you one question, you guys cover the next six that I have written down. So, so y'all, y'all do a fantastic job of taking a ton of pressure off of me. So, so I love that. Um, you answered the question I was going to ask you. You know, when did you think the rule would change countrywide, right? And when you just you said it yourself with recruiting, you know, look look at how much that could um, sway things in, in recruiting. You know, in power rankings and recruiting, like you just said, say a guy goes to play at Miami. Okay, well, then he can make something off of his name and likeness. And then a guy from, say, Ohio cannot. I, I definitely think they could pull guys out of Ohio down to Florida just for I'd that. I'd say it's happening now, yeah, I mean, especially in the COVID yeah. era. I, it's 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 got to be happening right now. I think that is something that could make countrywide it start happening because other schools don't want to lose athletes and talented players due to something they can control. Yep. Um, you know, and, and a big thing is both of you guys, I'm sure, are familiar with the XFL when it came out. And the big thing the XFL was going to do is, is they were going to dig down into the high school ranks, you know, seniors mm-hmm. in high school and stuff like that, or dig into these college players, say, say they like a guy at Clemson and, and he's supposed to get drafted. They were pretty much going to say, hey, look, we have enough money to pay you five hundred thousand dollars for a year. Come play in the XFL. Don't don't not get paid in isn't that and what, then, like, the G League was trying to do? The G yeah. League was trying to do that, right, for the NBA? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And college should have been worried about that. They yeah. absolutely should have been worried about that. So I think it's it's really good that these these schools are thinking about starting to pay these athletes. Um, now, this is something else I want to ask you guys, and, and this is what I really want to know. I want to know how you guys found each other and wanted to make this partnership and make this a goal for both of you. How did you guys come to know each other and knew you wanted to do this? I think it was at one of our ex-hunger gatherings. We normally do an ex-hunger gathering, and if I'm forgetting some, dare you, you can add that in in a minute because I, I, I tend to have short-term memory like, like a DB should. <laughs> um, so so i believe it was at one of the x hunger gatherings and as we was rolling out what we was going to be doing with x hunger um there was there we had a chance to just talk and that's i don't know if my book came up or whatever happened and we just started talking and he had this passion for wanting to do something with sports and um the conversation came up about this nil or just athletes getting paid and the concept of being able to educate athletes from some of the stuff I was doing and him, him knowing the legal side of it, I all, I, I knew it made sense because he knew some of the stuff I had to go personally learn. And I felt like there was never a platform that actually taught it or a, there was no way where athletes can seek that knowledge themselves if you don't go out and read a book. Um, so knowing I already had a book and had some curriculum stuff, I was like, okay, I've been fighting podcasts and stuff like that for the longest but if we was going to ever do one, this would be the, the topic or something that can add a lot of value and it can give it from an athletic side and from the legal side. So that's how I felt the opportunity made sense and, and could come together. And I know um, 
Derek Arrett had a, a mission, a, a purpose of his own that he wanted to, to do in general. So I think that's kind of how the match kind of came together. But I'm sure I left out some vital nuggets <laughs> in there. So D, you no, can I pick that up. No, I think you actually hit it. You hit it square on. Uh, I mean, that's you've been doing this for a lot longer than I have. I mean, you from the time that you graduated, you kind of started out saying, um, you know, you saw yourself as an entrepreneur. Uh, even when you were in school, you were, you were pulling degrees in four years playing sports, which is a full-time job. I mean, that's um, that takes a lot of hustle. And I think entrepreneurs have that uh, that serial hustle mentality. They're always on some project. Um, you know, X hunger uh, is just another iteration of uh, you going out and trying to help people uh, understand understand how they can better the world. And I think that the more, the more you start swimming in those circles, the more you start running in the same people. And I think that's, you know, we naturally had some of those conversations that pointed us in the direction to say, Hey man, this is, uh, you know, this is the right time to be doing this. I think it's finally, um, uh, it's got enough attention, enough energy, uh, on a national level. It looks like this thing's really going to lift off and, you know, uh, who's to say that we're not uh, in, in position to go out and to do this, you know, here today, um, you know, and d obviously he had, he had that angle and that experience and had been thinking about it for long enough. And then I, you know, got to be lucky growing up loving sports and, um, you know, being a huge trivia buff about it and things like that. Um, you know, and I guess hanging on to, to the Michael Jordan uh, contract deals with, with Nike and, and those types of things, they just stuck in my head ever since I was really, really young. Um, and then all of a sudden these things line up uh, and it's, you know, it's day to day at this point. It's moved pretty quickly. But, um, yeah, it was, it was a little bit of an organic process. And, and now I think you're starting to see everybody kind of recognize that this thing's inevitable. Yeah, you guys have an amazing story of, of how you, you started and, and came together and wanted to, you know, reach the same goal. And, you know, you, Bo, Bo and myself kind of have a, a very unique story. Uh, I asked Bo if he wanted to do a podcast. He said, yeah, and here we are. So, <laughs> yeah, so he's a lot, short, a lot short, a lot more cut and dry. But both <laughs> we, both we were in a bar one night and he just walked up and was like, hey, look, I've got an idea for a podcast. And I was like, I'm your guy for sure. That, there it is. <laughs> that was it. That's what you need, man. Yeah, That's yeah. it. Two guys with a plan. It was love at first sight. It really was. Um, now, guys, we're going to have Derek and Derek on the show talking about our usual topics. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to get you guys to chime in a little bit and and revert it to you guys, to what you guys are doing about some of our topics and see see what you guys think about each situation. So first off, Bo, me and you both know this just happened. The Falcons fired head coach Dan Quinn and general manager Thomas Dimitrov. Um, Bo, we talked about it before. We knew it was coming. The Falcons um, were going to fire Dan Quinn. We just didn't know when it was going to happen. Falcons defensive coordinator and former Buccaneers head coach Raheem Morris will act as an interim head coach the rest of the season. Now, make no mistake, Dan Quinn has been an awesome coach for the Falcons, and I have a ton of respect for him. It was just time to head in a different direction. Um, Losing games in which you held the lead in, especially a Super Bowl, does not cut it. Just um, the way they lost, the way they yeah, lost. Exactly, was, was the really way they lost. Not, not them losing the way it happened. Um, and, and I will say, I think the fact that he reached the Super Bowl helped him stay with the team longer. I think if he had not re- reached that Super Bowl, he wouldn't have been there this long. Um, and I, I think it was just becoming apparent that he wasn't going to get the team there again. I think that was an overwhelming feeling that he was not going to be able to reach the same level of success again. He's 46 and 44 um, as a career record as a head coach of the Falcons, which is an all right job, just not good enough to continue to do the job. Now, I am interested to see where Dan Quinn goes. What do you think, Bo? Is it going to be another NFL team or could he be headed to the college level? Uh, I think it'll be another NFL team. Um, I don't know if I see him landing a head coaching job, though I wouldn't put it past some of these 
hire a guy with his that's had as you know rough a, a rough as a road as he has lately um but i mean i'd like to see him end up back in a defensive coordinator spot i think that's where he where he really shined uh you know as a coach i think i think it's just managing everything as a head coach doesn't seem like his like his forte you know i think he'd just be better in an instructional role getting back to the basics of what he's good at you know what i mean i just being a head coach in the nfl level is is not for everybody and you can see where these losses a lot of times when they're when they're up it's just i mean that's lack of focus that's lack of pre- preparation and focus you know playing with the lead in the nfl is somewhat of an art form chewing clock and properly winning time of possession which the falcons have not done a good job of i mean it's part of the reason they got todd Gurley was so that they could bring him in use these other weapons they have on the outsides and you just don't see that happening i mean you see this you see the lead falling out of their hands game in and game out and i don't think dan quinn's a bad coach and i don't think the d coordinator uh raheem morris that took over i don't think he's that bad of a coach either i mean i think some of the player evaluation hasn't been good i don't think the dante fowler experiments working out i mean things just aren't aren't happening right for them yes they went to a super bowl but we saw that same thing happen in the super bowl where they crumbled with the lead Exactly. And I don't know if it's as much, I don't know if it's personnel or taking your foot off the gas. I, it maybe it could be a little bit of both. Me and you both expected Dan Quinn to get fired. I didn't know that they were going to get rid of Thomas Dimitrov, their general manager. I did not see that coming, but I think they got rid of hurt, the special teams coordinator too today. They I think. did. They did. Yes. Uh, but I, I think what hurt Dimitrov significantly is the fact that getting needed talent on the team has been somewhat of an issue. You know, the team has never been able to find yeah. a pass rush. It's also never been able to find or, or been able to hit on any talent in the secondary, especially at cornerback. They've missed almost on everybody at that point. Um, yep. So I'm interested to see who they bring well, in. Next. Matt Ryan and Julio's contracts have kind of hogtied them yeah, on bringing have. in they other have. talent as well. You've seen guys like Sanu walk out the door because he wanted more money and, and more opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. So again, I am interested to see who they bring in next. I have to imagine Eric Bieniemy is way up their list. I'm, I, you know, I would love to see him in Atlanta. We'll, we'll see who it is, but I think overall, um, these are two solid moves by the Falcons. I think it's time to just start over um, and see where where things go with the Atlanta organization because things have not been working out recently. And relating and relating to kind of what they're talking about with what they do, you know, I wanted to ask like maybe you know maybe D'Lo would chime in on it. I mean, don't you think there will probably be some young guys that Quinn saw something in that are fresh out of college that you know this was their chance at a good year and the Falcons are not doing so well and now this this head coach that saw something in them is gone and now they're back on the street looking for a job. I mean, some of this transitioning into life after football stuff. I mean, you think hopefully these guys took that serious do you think some guys might be losing their opportunity with this head coaching change man every time there's a coaching change guys lose opportunities yeah but but guys also get opportunities so mm-hmm. um it just really kind of the, the, the pen really it's gonna happen on both ends guys just got to be prepared and realize you got to make the most uh, of, the, of the situation because when, when coaches get fired new opportunities present themselves and you, and you miss opportunities. So it's part of the game. Um, yeah. I, I think by the time you get to that level, you realize it's a job and it's business. And mm-hmm. if the guy that brought you in ain't there, it's probably going to be some, you might make it to that next guy or you might end up getting pulled with that next guy. I mean, yeah. leave him with him. So that's part of it. At that point, you already understand it. You know, it's a big boy game. Then yeah. you just got to have your head on straight to, to not get caught up in mayhem and not do your job. Yeah. Once, once Nothing's you personal. 
Right. Exactly. I think that's a big thing. Not taking things personally is what players probably need to learn one of their first days at the next level. It's because if you take everything personally, you're going to have a rough time. You get easily offended. Yeah, you're going to get easily offended quite <laughs> often. Um, Bo, also something sad that happened Sunday. We saw an injury to Dak Prescott. Um, Dak Prescott suffered a gruesome leg injury in Sunday's game against the New York Giants. It was really hard to look at. I'm just going to say that it was hard. It was bad. The ankle was not where it was supposed to be whatsoever. <laughs> Dak went through surgery Sunday night to take care of a compound fracture and dislocation of oh. his right ankle. Um, the surgery is said to have gone very well, but his his season's over. And I think we all knew that oh, the man. moment we saw the injury. Um, Andy Dalton will now be the starting quarterback for Dallas the rest of the season. Bo, you and myself were fans of the Cowboys picking up Andy Dalton. And they better count their blessings that they did. Because at this moment, we've said it before, the, the Cowboys had the best backup quarterback in the NFL. I don't think any other team in the NFL has a, a quarterback that's their backup that has a Pro Bowl on his resume. They, they should be very happy that they got Andy Dalton, but I do not see them having any hope at all with Dak being gone. D'Lo, I want to ask you this. You have had injuries in your football career. What does it take mentally to get through things like that? It takes some some why and some want to really, man. Um, you know they happen. You don't ever really expect them to happen to you. And then once they do happen, first thing you gotta is you gotta you gotta get your mind right and not try to push yourself too hard and realize that hey, just because your mind know you can do it, I mean your body is ready for you to do it. So it takes that preparation of just taking it one day at a time and not getting caught up on the am I gonna ever play again or. I can't wait to get back. It's just a matter of just doing what you need to do in that moment. And kind of, I mean, Dak and I had a chance to see what happened to Alex Smith. So, I mean, with that being said, he, he this ain't his first rodeo. It might be the first time it happened to him on this scale. But you just seen that happen to a quarterback in the league. And he made his first appearance back in the league this year. So, I think you got some some one he can reach out to and get some good insight, good feedback on how to take it. But it, it just takes you not, not trying to see the big picture all at once, just executing day to day just like you got to execute play by play um, on the field. So if you have that perspective, you'll be all right. You just can't you can't get caught up in the highs and lows of the, of the, of the rehab, just like you can't get caught up in the highs of the lows of the game. You got a game plan, and you just got to stick with it, execute it, and it ain't going to always go your way. But you know you still got time on the clock to get back on the field, just like you got time on the clock to win the game. So you just got to take it day by day. Exactly. And like you said, do not rush and wait for um, your body to get ready to come back out there again. Now, Derek and Derek, you're both going to hear me rant a little bit because (laughs) I have been really big on this topic about paying players um, the money that they deserve. Again, the whole thing that was Sunday when we saw Deck go off the field was extremely sad to watch. Um, Dak was extremely emotional. Uh, it made me get a lump in my throat. I don't know about you, Bo. Can you believe it happened with his old head coach, Jason Garrett, on the other team and Tony Romo in the booth? Like, all uh, no. calling I me. Mean, like, it's, it's just all, all, all right Dallas there. guys. All Dallas wow. guys. It, it, was, it was unbelievable. But, right. but it brings me to this. Pay the players the money they deserve. Dak Prescott had been asking for his money and has not been given any of the money that he deserves and has earned. You know, what did we have in the offseason, Bo? Dalvin Cook possibly sitting out, right? He wanted his money. Okay, Dak Prescott did not do that. He never said, I'm more important than the team. You know, he didn't do any of that. He came in and he worked hard. He played hard. He competed for the team. And now what? He suffered a gruesome injury that could cost him the opportunity of getting the contract that he wanted and should have been given. It reminds me of the Earl Thomas situation in Seattle and and what, uh, 2017, I think it was, when Thomas wanted an extension, was denied. He played anyway because he wanted to be there for his team. 
just to come out, break his leg, and then have to move on to another team. Yeah. Right? Because he was hurt. Cause so, so now the team's definitely not going to pay him. They're like, you know, we weren't going to pay you before, but now we're definitely like not paying you. Yeah. Thanks thanks for all the tackles and, and fighting through all the pain. He's on, anyway, his, we'll see you. He on his third team since Seattle, too, now, I believe. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's, been, it's been bad. And, and D'Lo, thank you for bringing up the Alex Smith injury, which mm-hmm. might have been one of the worst injuries to ever happen. Everyone remembers when Joe Theismann broke his leg. That's what was I was thinking. Yeah. Pretty much the <laughs> yeah. exact same injury. I'm pretty sure it was, it was on the, the same, same day. day, same injury versus the same and, team. And then I think he just the infections he had to battle and stuff too was just so that you know that that's that doesn't happen to every single person that might have Alex Smith's injury. It was a very unfortunate and unlucky thing that it was probably out of his hands, you know, to get that infection. And it's that, that was sad to see. Alex Smith Sunday stepped on the field again for the first time in 693 days, 693 days. People were saying, you know, when he suffered the leg injury in 2018, it was career ending. Like that was it. It was, it was over. They said he would never step on a football field again um, as a player, at least. And he proved those people wrong Sunday, which I'm so happy that he did. I'm pretty sure, but correct me if I'm wrong. He almost had his leg amputated. They were talking about it. Oh yeah. I mean, the pictures like, the pictures I saw, I mean, it looked like you could just see tendon and flesh. I mean, I mean, not flesh. I mean, meat and stuff. I mean, it's like it had eaten away at his leg or something. Like they wanted to. I think they wanted to amputate it. Yeah, there was a lot of talk. Can get nasty really quick. That's yeah. If you yeah. get anything infected, that's it's not good. He had seventeen surgeries. Count them. Seventeen surgeries. Oh wait, yeah. Then, I did not realize he had seventeen. Holy moly! Then him having to battle the infection also. And that infection, by the way, didn't almost just cost him the leg. It was actually a, a bacterial infection that could have possibly been fatal. It could have killed him. It was that bad. So so I think it's an incredible story that he has been able to come back out. And, Bo, on the Washington fan episode, we talked with Washington fans about how incredible it would be if he got to play this year. I remember we were all four mm-hmm. talking about it, saying that how amazing would it be if this guy was able to even get on the field? And, well, and it, it definitely has been incredible. I think he, I think he looks the other day when we were watching him play on Sunday, like yesterday. I, I thought he looked way better than obviously the videos that he was putting out when he announced that he was going to play again. I mean, he took off running on like the third snap of the game that he came in. Did you see that? Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, I mean, he literally went out for like a four-yard run, and I was. And I mean, his wife looked like she was about to have a heart attack. I don't blame her one bit. But I mean, it was. I, I mean, I was about to have a heart attack. I'm not. I'm not a fan of the Washington football team. I. I mean, he took off fearlessly. I mean, the the mindset you got to have, I guess, to do that after that at that level is is just unbelievable. He is. He is a a a greater man than I am because I'm gonna tell you right now, if I had an injury like that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even look at a football field again. I'd be like, that's it. You know what? I, maybe it wasn't meant to be like, that'd be the end of it. I, I wouldn't had the drive to go back out there and want to continue my career. So, so that, that's, that's incredible. I'm so happy for Alex Smith. Um, he's such a good guy. I've always been a big fan of him. Um, it's literally legendary stuff. Uh, Bo, now I want to move to something that you should be extremely happy about. This, <laughs> okay. guy, this guy plays for your team. This I, I, I want to talk about Chase Claypool, man. I want to take about talk about what type of problem it looks like he's going to be. Um, this guy is not your average rookie, guys. Not at all. Claypool no. went off for seven receptions, 110 yards, and three touchdowns, and he also ran for a touchdown. But we knew this guy was going to be a problem coming in. 
Yep. Right. He was going to be a total mismatch for any cornerback that he went up against. You know, he, he's a guy that six foot four has a two hundred and forty pound frame and can run a four four two. And his four in his fourth touchdown, you saw the Eagles. Uh, I don't know what I don't really know what coverage they were running, but he ended up with a linebacker covering him, and they just had no chance. He he did a little stutter step, stabbed one foot in the ground, and he was gone. There was there's just no chance there. I mean, he's a four four guy. Yeah. So Dilo, I wanna I wanna ask you a question here. As a DB, tell me what is it like when you have a major size disadvantage? Um, how much does it change the way you go up against your opponent? A lot of the times, you better hope you got some help, or you're gonna be on ESPN. So, <laughs> but but for the most part, I mean, going into the game, you know, scouting important in film. I mean, I remember we played South Carolina. And they, that's when they had Sidney Rice, and then Julio was at Alabama. You got you got those guys that are not your typical. I mean, A.J. Green was in Georgia. He was smaller, more shifty, and faster. But those guys are just bigger bodies. So um, you just got to game plan and, and, and scheme up better because most corners are not that size. So they don't always have some safety helping. You yeah. try to just play things that going to help keep them to keep from really taking advantage of that size advantage. But at the end of the day, I mean, those guys got talent. So it's only so much you can do to prevent them from, from thriving and, and so much you can do from prevent them from, prevent them from, from shining. So – um, scheme wise, hopefully the D coordinator is solid and, um, they put the personnel on that's supposed to the, 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 as many personnel that it takes to stop that person from just making you completely lose based upon them just balling out. But a lot of times, man, it, it does happen and you're going, you're going to have those guys that, that make it happen. So it really ain't, it's only so much you can do. And, and hopefully you got a D line that can get some pressure right there. So it's, 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 it still goes back to that team. Um, if you got, some guys in the trenches that can apply some some pressure. You can probably keep them from running the routes they want to run because um, they ain't got no time to get it to them how they want to get it to them. But at the end of the day, it, it could be bad, man. So it's just one of those things that you got guys like that that are monsters. Um, you you, you got to have some on the other side total scheme-wise because doubling them may only help for a certain period of time. Then they just find them, put them in motion or – Put them in a put them in a slide or something like that, and now you free them up because the linebackers on them. So it, it can create mismatches and problems. You just got to do the best you can um, to make sure they ain't got enough time to thoroughly execute the game plan. Really, yeah, I feel like from a from a technique and a leverage standpoint, I just I, I just have have to imagine. You know, like I said, the guy's six foot four, two hundred forty pounds, though, and I, I'm yeah. trying to imagine this guy that throwing him you know, a fade route in the, in the red zone. Right. And he's just yeah. the fact that this guy, what's this guy going to do to a small division, you know, box out, right. His first catch. Much- yeah. His first catch in the NFL of what you saw was him high point a ball on the sideline. And with his height and the was as, as, as vertical. And I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen chase Claypool's hands, but they're oh. not your everyday average six foot. I am six foot four. My hands do not look this way. Okay, his hands are humongous, and they are good for catching NFL-sized footballs. And you you can see what what they're gonna do with him. You saw it in his he, first catch as a professional. He's gonna eat it up, man. He's going to eat it up. And you know he played tight end at mm-hmm. Notre Dame. We all knew that he was gonna transition to wide receiver at the next level. I compare a lot of guys to this guy, Evan Ingram of the New York Giants, right? Is he really a tight end? I don't really know if I call him. I mean, if you ask me his position, yeah, he's a tight end, but. In his body type, he's almost a bigger body receiver. Claypool exactly lined up Claypool. all over the field at, at Notre Dame. He was I would not have I would not have said he might have been listed as that, but he was he lined up a split away from the line more than he lined up with his hand in the dirt as a tight end. I mean yeah. that's just he was all over the field. I mean we ran he was in the slot. Like I said, his four touchdown yesterday was from the slot, and he it, ran and he was in motion all day yesterday too. 
Oh, they moved him all over the place. Yeah. On the season, he has 13 receptions for 261 yards and four touchdowns. This was the game that got him noticed league-wide. As a Steelers fan, what is how giddy are you to have this guy? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not I'm not gonna say I'm shocked by it. I mean, we've watched the Steelers come out and draft a lot of good receivers. I felt I felt like it was a matter of time. Uh just to figure out how they're gonna use him. And when a guy like Deontay John Deontay Johnson kind of drops out of the fold with a back injury, I mean, you're gonna have to look to the guy with the best matchup. And if I'm not mistaken, uh Jalen Mills had been moved around. And Jalen Mills cannot he he can't keep up with a guy like Claypool, and he's not as big as Claypool or as physical, you know. And and not to mention, you know, he's he's so he's so willing to block, and on you're getting a hundred percent effort out of that guy all game long. And then he's a special teams. He plays kickoff. He plays punt coverage. I think he he blocks on kickoff. I mean, he's playing every phase of the game except for defense right now. So I mean. He, you love seeing that guy out there. I, I tweeted after the game ended like four and oh, Chase Claypool is going to be around a long time because Pittsburgh really likes this receivers that are willing to block and do everything else. You know, you can, he just goes to show you, you can be, you can be the, the receiver that gets one catch one game. And then you can show out and be put on, put the legal notice another game. If you just wait mm-hmm. your turn and do what you're asked, you know, and, and, and I think he's going to be great in Pittsburgh. I'm super excited. I w- won't lie. My, my internet search history on my laptop is definitely a whole bunch of Claypool jerseys right now. Um, <laughs> but hey, you yeah. got to go for Mapletron, man. If, if he's going to own the nickname. Oh, don't say that, you know, Derek. Speaking, You'll get him going right of, now. And speaking <laughs> of his, these copy, you know, these whole things that y'all are getting to with image and likeness, you know, that Mapletron thing could have made him a ton of money when he was at Notre Dame. I mean, yeah. do y'all agree with that? Because I mean, he's a, that's the the first thing he did when he came to the NFL. And having a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster on his team is great to learn about branding. He makes a ton off the internet in the NFL after he left USC. So yeah. he's got a great teammate in his in his position room showing him how to make money. And like the first thing he did was make a logo that looked like Optimus Prime with his initials <laughs> mixed yep. in, and it's like Mapletron. It. I mean, I can't imagine the money with a with a platform like notre dame has with their lucrative nbc deal the amount of money he could have made between the years of 18 and 21 years old and you're not kidding frankly it's the amount of money they could have made too i just i I don't think it has to be an exclusive situation and i think everyone's viewed it from that angle for so long um it's just become the thing that everybody repeated and um you know i just i don't know i think the the pittsburgh steelers have some interesting examples over time i've I've mentioned troy palomalu in a couple different circles i mean the dude Mm -hmm. obviously uh i loved um you know being able to watch him i played a little bit of safety not very well but man the amount of times (laughs) i would see people try to time that snap you know just because they saw his mane flying over the line right at the you know, precise second i mean that was uh, he had his own image and his own trademark he did that um, to the titans your team i mean is that why right. you remember that so well because yeah, it happened that's why it's a little vivid for me, I, guess. I love i love that yeah. that's probably it yeah for yeah, sure but i mean yeah especially now i did it's, it's just become more and more of a situation where everybody's got um you know an online presence that's something mm-hmm. that uh you know before you know you played uh, your sport then maybe you had some sort of an interview that that lasted and you know repeated across the news um, you know, showed up in, in the press the next day or whatever, but you didn't have this kind of perpetual existence that people could you know, holler at you, uh, you know, they tweet at you or they whatever. Um, and, and I think people have 
seeing how they can they can use that as part of that brand and that persona that they continue to develop over years. Um, you know, so it's just it, I, I'm glad that we have almost a, uh, a hierarchy of uh, these veterans that we're seeing that transition, um, you know, as the Internet proliferated and as some of these other ways to monetize yourself became more and more available, uh, smaller and smaller world. It's nice to see a little bit of that, um, you know, passive mentorship for people just to say, hey, no, here's how you need to be thinking about this. I mean, I hate that, you know, you got you got people like Kawhi Leonard who had to go through uh, some unfortunate shakeouts where, uh, you know, I mean, if he's doing his own artwork and if he's coming up with his own logos and he's creating his own stuff, I mean, that's, yeah. um, you know, perhaps something that he didn't have the opportunity to uh, address in his contracts or, you know, maybe it wasn't clear enough or something like that. But, um, you know, he had a pretty big fiasco and a pretty expensive fallout. Um, if nothing else in legal fees, he's had to, had to uh, you know, kind of absorb just to fight the battle. But, um, you know, people like him that are willing to kind of take the stand and to push the bill and say, let's set some precedent in favor of the athlete, um, you know, or at least in favor of resolution so that we know what the rules are going forward. Um, I think everybody wins. And the more that we can see that start to trickle into the NCAA, um, you know, with the schools having some some guidance and instruction, you know, maybe to make it fun for these people. Like, hey, you know, what's your nickname? How do you want to brand yourself? How do you want to be, um, you know, remembered uh, beyond just as the athlete? Uh, it's, it's, it's a conversation that doesn't have to be so overwhelmingly negative. And, you know, I, I think it's kind of fun to think of, uh, you know, the, the Megatron to Mapletron uh, legacies and, and things like that, where it's not, you know, it's, it's not upsetting. Uh, it doesn't seem like anybody's really, you know, maybe they don't like the name, but nobody's, nobody's so offended by the trademark dispute because it's all for the love of the sport. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's got, it's got so much less of a negative legal connotation to it and more of a, you know, these guys deserve, you know, more of a kickback and how can we all help that system be built? Derek, I have a question for you. So we're talking about, okay, you know, obviously Claypool is starting to be known as Mapletron and Calvin Johnson, obviously we all know him as Megatron and stuff like that and nicknames. When it comes to likeness, name and image for college athletes, how long do you think it's going to be before we see something? And I don't know if this is something you guys are, are able to work toward or not. Seeing something like college athletes being able to make money off of jersey sales. Well, that's one of the first ones that uh, it was an interesting hypothetical that I started kind of massaging my head because first off, I, it's a little bit unfair insofar as you've got football players that are going to generate way bigger revenues than say your your water polo team or you know whatever and frankly i uh the salukis have a really really good track program there are people that go and they win uh you know gold medals competing in in track and field and yet um they, they just don't ever have an opportunity to monetize it i mean certain people train and compete uh you know in these like olympics uh in the qualifiers and all these things but they work six days a week at, at an airport you know um it's it's not enough just to train uh, six days a week and, and to be preparing to to run, um, you know, all this massive distance and to have sponsors that get you there on the day of. Uh, you still got to live your life every other day. So the the jerseys will be interesting to see how that shakes out because it's it's mostly contractual at that point. It's it's what the schools and you know each each contracting party what they've already agreed to. But um, you know I'm going to think that those contracts don't have a huge uh, you know, huge uh, term as far as like when they are, are stuck to the specific provisions that they're bound by right now. Um, I, I would, I bet that they could even modify it if they really wanted to get around to doing that. But, um, you know, we'll see whose interests are, are being affected. But yeah, I, I think you could see that being one of the easier examples to say, look, that's very clear, uh, 
very clearly where the universities uh, and and Nike or you know uh, whichever company they're getting the kickback, but it's all based on the athlete's performance. He, exactly. he goes out and he hits these four uh, touchdown Saturdays or whatever. It's not crazy to think that those sales skyrocket. Um, oh, you, you know. know so I think that that does follow down, you know, pretty pretty quickly into um, you know certain people's pockets, um, you know. But I do think that it's 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 going to be an interesting one to see how they address that from that third party angle. Because as of right now, everybody's just saying, "Wait a second, let's just let's take a couple of the ropes off and say that the the college athlete should have the right to get the contract." how they actually negotiate the third party contract that's going to be where you know the rubber's going to meet the road and it's going to be interesting to see how people approach it because there's not you know not a ton of precedent especially um you know not at the amateur level we're going to have to borrow from the pros um you know so we'll see what what that looks like but i'm guessing it's about the same timeline that's going to be one of the first things that people across the nation deal with so that's going to be one of the first ones that we get resolved i bet Dilo, i appreciate you coming on the podcast today man i know you've got to get out of here but again thank you so much for coming on and speaking with myself and bo we we've really valued you are our first college athlete to come on the tsr podcast so i really appreciate you coming on the show man i hope you've had a lot of fun man it was a great time thanks thanks tsr for having me on man look forward to another opportunity you guys keep up the great work all right appreciate it man thanks, thanks man thank you now derek Thank you for giving us the insight with everything about the jerseys. Now, I want to say this. I have a huge question to ask you, Dan. And I think it's a question that a lot of people want answered, and they want to know the answer um, to this question. But I'm going to save it for the end. I'm going to save it for the end because it's a big question. I think I'm going to spend some time on it. So what I'm going to do right now is, Bo, a lot of listeners have been asking for this next talking point to become a topic on the show. Um, and I think it's time to give it to them. So let's talk Carolina Panthers, man. A lot of people have reached out to us saying, hey, we need some Carolina Panthers on the show. Hey, let's talk about the thirds, right? So, so let's talk about it. Um, let, let me say this. First, let's look at what we knew coming into the 2020 season with Carolina, mm -hmm. right? Yep. We knew that there had been a massive turnover with the team. And a lot complete of complete overhaul, <laughs> complete overhaul in Charlotte. It was completely other, new. Than, other than Christian McCaffrey. It's about it. it. It was everything. Yeah. Other than CMC, everything was different. Pretty much. Uh, they had a new head coach in Matt rule, a new offensive coordinator in Joe Brady, a new defensive coordinator in Phil snow, a new starting quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater, a new starting wide receiver in Robbie Anderson, a new starting tight end who was already there, but wasn't a starter in Ian Thomas and an extremely young defense full of rookies. Um, Bo, you know, we knew there was going to be issues with chemistry and we knew there would be a, a sizable regression in the defense due to youth, right? Mm -hmm. We knew these guys were young. They'll have to get used to the system. And, and you played know, they, better than I thought it would. Oh, it, has it not worked out? It, it's been great. Jeremy Chin, by the way. I mean, come on, man. It, it's been a lot of fun watching him. Derek Brown's a, a beast in the trenches. It, it, it's been a lot of fun watching these guys. Now, let me say what we didn't know. We just told you what we knew. So let me tell you what I didn't know, Bo. I did not know Christian McCaffrey would get hurt in week two and be out for possibly six weeks. I also didn't know that Robbie Anderson would look like one of the top wide receiver signings of free agency because he has completely looked like that. Right now, guys, Robbie Anderson ranks seventh in receiving yards and receptions in 2020 among wide receivers. Bo, we did not know that Mike Davis would suddenly look like a top 15 back in the NFL. Literally. I mean, he's he's come out of he's come out of nowhere. I'm not going to say Mike Davis has come out of nowhere. We've all known who Mike Davis was. Yeah. But the fact that he's playing so well and what has really interested me is the amount of receptions he's getting. The amount that he is involved in the passing game is what's so intriguing to me. And you know what I, I think about it? Joe Brady's just a great offensive coordinator. Right. 
You know, Absolutely. I don't know if other offensive coordinators would have gotten him involved like this. You know, and I think well, he's been very efficient and successful doing so. I think what they did was they brought a guy in that they knew they wouldn't have to change the way they want to play due to who the who is in the game. They're trying to make sure that the standard of play that they want can be upheld by the next guy. And that's why they brought Mike Davis in. And you can clearly see that it worked because the offense looks pretty much the same as if Christian McCaffrey was there. I think they'd be a with CMC there, the best they could be is three and two to this point, in my opinion. I agree. Even if even if CMC was in there, this is exactly where you would if if I was to say what's the Panthers' best case scenario through five games, I would say best case three wins. I wouldn't go a game above that. I don't think you would have gone a game above that before the season. Do you, would you agree? I completely agree. The only person yeah. that would have gone above that is a super biased fan. Absolutely. I mean, from a from a completely you know non biased objective standpoint, I would say that best case scenario through five games is three wins for them. And without Christian McCaffrey, after they had him for about six quarters max, and now they don't. Or well, actually, he played. Did he go out in the fourth quarter in that game, or was it the third quarter? I think it was. I think it was late third. I could be mistaken. Late. Yeah. So I mean, maybe six, seven quarters. They had Christian McCaffrey this season in their three and two. I mean, it is impressive. And Mike Davis, they have. Haven't, their their system hasn't changed, and that's what's so so important is that even though you have turnover, you don't have to change your game plan. Yeah, absolutely. Mike Davis, Bo, this year has forty five carries for two hundred nineteen yards. That's good for four point nine yards per carry. Twenty two receptions, one hundred and seven yards, two touchdowns. It's it, he looks like he's found a new like a new home. I mean, you I would, can keep him on the payroll for pretty cheap going forward, even oh, if he does have a good few games. Absolutely, but I would also love to see how many times was he involved in the passing game in Chicago. You know, how many times I, yeah. did they involve him like that? And look how I well it's working. It. It, it, it looks fantastic. But something else we did not know. Did you know that then week five the Panthers would be tied for first place in the NFC South? Because I'm gonna tell you right now, there was not a chance that I thought that was gonna happen. I expected New Orleans to be to be pretty much undefeated or one loss at this point. But we also didn't know that Breeze's arm would have given out through the and offense. Mike Thomas wouldn't play a game pretty much. Yeah, Mike Thomas also in a little bit of drama in himself for getting into an altercation with his teammate Chauncey Gardner Johnson. But that's for another day, right? That's for another day. But again, that that's there's clearly an issue going on in New Orleans right now. Uh, but for me, Bo, I for one am super impressed with this Panthers team. I was a huge fan of the hirings during the offseason. Clearly they hit on Joe Brady, right? And I don't know how you don't hit on Joe Brady. This guy just came off a, a record-setting season with LSU, right? And, yep. you know, I think Bra- Brady has this offense rolling, um, even with the new pieces, which is super impressive to me. It's not like he was already in Carolina, right? It's not like he was already used to the team. You, and you then can you see get the, new pieces on top of it, right? You can see the offensive line got better, too. Oh, I mean, I, I don't think – I think that the, I think Mike Davis's success is a very good complement to what they did revamping their O-line this year. They oh, made they it more functional job. for what they want to do. Absolutely. Um, I want to focus on what Joe Brady does well, Bo. Because you watch film, right? You you go through highlights of the game and things like that. What Brady is very good at doing is he gets his players, or at least his skill players, in into one-on-one situations often, mm-hmm. right? That's what he's very good at, um, which, you know, that's where speedy skill players are most dangerous, in one-on-one. That's when it's the hardest to guard them. You know, I think he, he does a, a very good job of he uses a, a lot of underneath and quick routes. Right. Um, yep. That helps Teddy Bridgewater out a lot. Get the ball out fast. Well, you know who else does that? The Patriots. 
Absolutely. And it looks <laughs> like it's worked for them, right? It looks <laughs> yeah. like it's worked pretty good for the Patriots, Tom right? Brady Count the rings. Living underneath. Exactly. Count the rings. And, you know, yeah. again, it just helps when you have speedy skill players, getting them in one-on-one situations, using underneath and quick routes helps your quarterback and it helps the team succeed because you're much harder to defend. Um, Brady has just done a, a fantastic job, man. Um, but what is the biggest thing you have taken away from this Panthers 2020 season? Uh, that Matt rules the right guy for the job. Um, Love it. You don't, you don't turn, you don't turn what everyone thought would probably be a top two to three pick into, into three wins to start your season. And, and you're not the right guy for the job. I think he's coming with a fearless attitude. He's coming and trusted his new quarterback and trusted his OC to put the right game plan in place. Um, I think he he's exhibiting the right kind of, I don't think he's he's not a new NFL head coach who's strangling the offense with his presence. It seems like Joe Brady is being allowed to do his thing. You know, can't I mean it's it, the offense is oozing Joe Brady right now. Would you not agree? Oh, I mean, oh, it, it is. It, it, it is. It's, you can just see his name is just yeah. all over that. Field. A good head coach. I mean, I'll use. I'm a Steelers fan. This may sound biased, but I'll use the Steelers as an example. Mike Tomlin might be around for the for the offensive game plan, but Randy Finkner, who's been a QB coach there, who's been Ben's QB coach there since like 2006, and he's won a Super Bowl there, uh, and and then now he's the OC post Todd Haley. You know, they sit down and they do their game plan together. Mike Tomlin has other things, has more to worry about than just the offensive game plan. And I think that's what a good NFL coach does is he makes sure the team is flowing cohesively and knows that he's got the right guys in place to set things up, you know, best for them to win. And he's a CEO. He's exactly. a, at the end of the day, he, he knows how to put the people in, in the place bam. to do the job that maybe he could do himself. But man, bam. there's only one of me. And he's Love not it. there micromanaging their every move. You know, Joe Brady is fully capable of running an NFL offense. He's got a number one pick quarterback, you know, in Cincinnati right now who may be running for his life but still looks good. You know, he coached him in college. I think he can handle a veteran Teddy Bridgewater who's dealt with more adversity than 99% of the league. You know, running running a new offense to Teddy Bridgewater has got to be a breeze. It's got to be fun compared to navigating. Oh, you know it is. Navigating losing your job to guys like Kirk Cousins and and whoever the whoever the heck else came in to replace him in Minnesota after you know after he got hurt you know that, I mean that's learning a new offense from a guy like Joe Brady who probably makes it so easy for him has got to be the easiest thing Teddy Bridgewater's had to do since he started over in New Orleans. I think you know we we both talked about when Matt Rule got hired and I was a very big fan of it because of what Matt Rule was able to do at Baylor right yeah. he he turned that that. That look what he around. had to deal with with their scandal. Oh, oh, he, oh, he came in after after half their team was accused of rape. You know, yep. about the worst thing you could ever. I mean, selling have, selling your team selling jerseys was a good problem compared to what they went through. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. I think Matt Rule came in. I've always looked at Carolina. Carolina has always been a unique team to me, and I'm not just saying that because you know. I want to sound good to Panthers fan. It's a fact. Carolina's teams, all of their teams, no matter, you know, you can go down the line of years, have always had this specific energy. Have they not? It's like they bring out this energy when they play. It's, it's I've always keep, loved it's watching. It's the keep pounding mentality. It is. And, it really is. The Panthers, they have never brought a coach in and kicked him out the door in two or three years when they don't like what he's doing. John Fox, Ron Rivera, uh, Matt Rule signing a seven-year deal out of the gate. They let their guys get in, get in place. They trust them, 
and set themselves up, set themselves up for success. And if you look at it, John Fox went to a Super Bowl in his time there. They gave him time to work it out. Ron Rivera went to a Super Bowl in the time there. They gave him time to work it out. And now Matt rules there. And in five games, he's worked out three wins. I'm not saying he's going to make it to a Super Bowl, but he looks, but he looks like he knows what he's doing. Yeah, absolutely. Matt Rule was an up-tempo guy coming in, which was perfect for what the Panthers want to be. Joe Brady was already a a great—people were already looking at Joe Brady coming to the NFL. But what makes it so good that he ended up in Carolina is look at the personnel he ended up with. I could have told you, if before he got hired, if you asked me, what team could Joe Brady really work with when you look at the skill position players on each team? Carolina would have been one of the top ones. It, Christian McCaffrey, right? Yeah, I'm, tra- I'm trying what, to what think it, of who all needed a coach this year. I mean, the Browns would have been another one. The Browns, I think but, he okay, would have been another, just fine another, with another team that had has a plethora of skill skill position yeah. players, right? Yeah. But, but yeah. a lot of them, you know, Clyde edwards Lair at LSU. Okay, now you, uh, you'll give you a Christian McCaffrey, right? Uh, Justin Jefferson at LSU. Okay, now we'll give you Curtis Samuel, right? Who can do stuff all over the place. Oh, Robbie Anderson, a guy who can beat you over time. Okay, we'll give you Jamal Chase. Right. Like it's different. It's a lot of the same type of players. So I think Drew Brady was able to come in immediately and knew his game plan would be able to work. And I Mm -hmm. think that's why it's worked so beautifully. I I really think it is. Drew Brady has done an amazing job. I mean, you put you put DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel and Robbie Anderson in a a bunch or an empty set. I mean, how how are you? That's got to give. Exactly. I mean, yeah. it's defensive coordinators are, are going to have a hard time defending that. They are. Yeah. It, 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 it's been fantastic, man. I can't wait to watch the, Carolina play Chicago. The haters are going to say that the Panthers haven't played anyone good, but there are no free wins in the NFL. There's no free wins. There's on no free wins. You can only you can only play who's on your schedule, and, and that's and those are two things you'll hear just about everybody in America say when talking about their team and someone's you know talking crap about their schedule. But you can only play who's on there, and 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 they're playing well. I mean, they put up they still put up 31 on the Cardinals, who was quote unquote you know paying and revamping their defense. You know, after getting you know Buda Baker paid and Chandler Jones, and then drafting Isaiah Simmons, who's been a no show. You know, and they still put up 31 on them. So, yeah, I like I like where they're headed. I can't wait to see, like I said, the the Panthers play the Chicago Bears, right? Because if people are going to sit here and say, "Oh, the Panthers haven't played anybody," okay, fine. You know, and people are going to sit here and say that people are going to say the Bears are everybody. Exactly. They barely lost to the Raiders. They, they put just up beat thirty the on the Raiders. Yeah, and they they put up thirty on them. So they they definitely tried. I mean, you're only going to get about thirty out of this team as it is, like thirty even, thirty one points. They're not going to throw up forty on you, but they still they still did everything they could. And I mean, I just think they're on the right path. And they might they might end this season with only six wins, but like the fact that, that to this point out of the gate that they showed organization and a togetherness and, and a, and a game plan and they don't look lost with no preseason is impressive. Yeah. It's really impressive. They're on a three game winning streak right now. Right. We'll New see if they can keep with it no going. preseason. You can't talk oh, crap. It, it's been, it's been incredible. And that, that speaks even louder to what Joe Brady is doing right now. It, it's been fantastic. Um, but let's jump into the NCAA topics a little bit. Clemson beat Miami all up and down the field. I was wrong, Bo. I was wrong. It happens to all <laughs> I of us. I tried to tell you. I think it happens to all of us. I'm sorry. Maybe I was a little high on the Miami Hurricanes. Um, I expected <laughs> this to be a much closer game than it was. The Clemson Tigers beat the Miami Hurricanes 42-17 to Saturday night. Um, that is with the Clemson Tigers also having two field goal attempts blocked. Which one went back for a touchdown, which was a really exciting play, but they could have had even more points. So so me talking so highly of Miami's defense on a show last week 
did not make me look fantastic and did not make my prediction look very good. Yeah, um, I mean, Miami's defense has been heavily based on turnovers, and I didn't see Trevor Lawrence turning it over more than yeah, once. Yeah, that's true. That's true. The turnover chain yeah. wasn't going to come out too much, man. Uh, yeah. Clemson's defense was smothering, and the Miami offense was just never able to get going. Um, I think, you know, obviously to beat a team like Clemson, you almost need everything to go right for you, right? And that's that's uh, Alabama. It's a lot of big teams. Um, I can say firmly almost nothing went right for the Canes Saturday, other than a block field goal return for a touchdown, as I've already mentioned. Um, De'Eric King was never able to get comfortable and was pressured constantly. They were all over him. They brought the heat all night long. Um, Bo, Texas A&M has upset Florida. I guess we jinxed Florida with all the good things we've said about them, Bo. Texas yeah. A&M upset Florida Saturday, 41-38. to And, uh, man, was it a hell of a game, though. It was a fantastic game. I hope Kyle Trask doesn't see all the good things we said about him because I think we jinxed Kyle, we jinxed Kyle Trask. His, his, his arm did not look as strong against a I, I would love for Kyle Trask to hear everything that I've said about him because <laughs> yeah. that's the case he's tuning into the show. So, Kyle Trask, we love you. Yeah. We respect your game, and we appreciate you as a football player. Um, Kyle Trask, again, had a good day going for 23 of 32 for 312 yards and four touchdowns, but it wasn't enough. Now, Bo, again, like you kind of just said, you were telling me the other day that people were talking bad about Trask for this game. I really don't know why, though. The guy didn't have a turnover. He was efficient. He threw four touchdowns. I don't know in what way this season you can have one bad thing to say about Kyle Trask. You know, Kyle Trask can't help that Florida's defense is like Swiss cheese, right? It's awful. I mean, it's completely porous all over the place. He but can't he, help. He can't play the defense. ball team. out of the air and control the game a little more. <laughs> I agree with that. I agree with that. But I think that defense, I'm, I'm going to say this right now. If this team wants to contend for a championship, they will they will have to improve on defense or there's no shot they are able to contend with a team like Alabama they're able to contend with a team like Clemson you're just well, not Alabama's going to stop them from scoring i mean they're not going to they're not going to put up 45 points on Alabama it's just i mean they're probably not I'm but sorry. i will say Alabama's defense is not as good this year though their strength is this it's weird Alabama's strength this year is their offense which is not normal it's not normal for Bama usually you know it's been predicated on their defense which is what has been able to help them win championships it's weird man i would not have expected the offense to be so explosive with Mac Jones but again man what do they say though Defense wins championships, right? Well, if yeah. Florida has any, any um, want to win that championship, that defense has got to figure something out. It, it was bad. I'm a fan of Kellen Mond, but I, I'm not fan enough to say that he should rip you like that. No, uh, no, no. Kellen Mond is not that good. No. Kellen Mond is not no. that. Le- they made Kellen Mond look like he is a first-round pick. Uh, I'd say it made him look like a third-round pick, but yes, it made him look better than he is. Okay, maybe maybe I'm being maybe I'm I'm exaggerating. Maybe you're exaggerating. (laughs) I'm just mad. I'm just mad about the game for a couple of reasons. But but I I just do think that you know they made this this quarterback that has has struggled at times. And you know, I've watched a lot of Kellen Mond, Bo. I've watched Kellen Mond for three years now, and I still don't know whether Kellen Mond's a good quarterback. Like his game is confusing. I don't know whether the, what this guy's. I don't know where he's going to land in the draft when he goes. I, I've never been able to tell whether he was a good quarterback or not. Obviously, he's good. I, he starts. I think he's. I think he's Steven Montez 2.0. I don't. I don't see it going too far. I think he reminds me a lot of Montez from Colorado, and I just he's got a good athletic frame and all that. And I mean, he does throw the ball hard, but he doesn't put it all together with his decision making. I think 
when his game plan is tailor made for success, and you run into a team like Florida, who can't put it all together and can't make a stop when they have to, and really struggle on third down. I mean, of course, Kellen Mod's gonna 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 succeed. I yeah. mean, that's just in my opinion. I mean, he wasn't like you said they they weren't. There was no pressure on him yesterday for or, well two days ago Saturday for for him to be for him to be under duress for it to be pushed out of the pocket to make bad throws. You know, I mean, he didn't have to do many things that forced him into making mistakes. And I mean, it's, it's kind of surprising of Florida not to have a pass rush. Normally, you do see Florida with some good guys in the interior rather than the outside, in my opinion. And 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 they're not getting that right now. It's it was too easy on Kellen Mond. He he was not under duress at all. Yeah, and you know what have you always had to respect about Florida's defense? They're secondary, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not up there with LSU and Ohio State in the terms of DBU, but they've always had to be respected in the secondary. They've always had guys back there that could play really, really well and were really talented players. And I'm gonna tell you something else, man. I think it's CJ Spiller for Texas A&M ran all. Over it's there. not CJ. I don't know what his first name is. Am I getting it wrong? It's uh, maybe Isaiah Spiller. Isaiah Spiller. Yeah, that's it. I, yeah. I've got that. C. Whenever C. I hear Spiller, whenever I hear Spiller, I don't know, man. For some reason, I feel like it was CJ Spiller. I don't, I don't know. When I hear Spiller, I think of CJ Spiller. It's Isaiah. Everyone knows that's Clemson. Everyone knows that's Clemson, um, one of the Clemson great running backs. But I think it, it was just bad. They couldn't stop it. They could not stop the run game. They were getting battered and bruised and getting drug all over the place. So they're going to have to fix that defense. Last thing for the NCAA. Talking about a team that has really moved up in the polls, Bo. I mean, oh, I don't know. Woo. I don't know who who could we be talking about, man. Uh, oh, you know, I know and, and you know, t- t- talking about two over in Chapel Hill, baby. Hey, talking <laughs> about two different Carolina teams on this week's show, Ooh. man. I mean, come on, it's a bit. It's a big, big week for Carolina. When I like uh, when I don't. Bo has been waiting for this. He couldn't wait to talk about his Tar Heels. Bo, your Tar Heels have moved to uh, number five in the poll. Yeah, we don't we don't get to do too much talking about it, but I'm one of the few people you're going to meet that really care about Carolina football and one and and this Mac Brown thing. I really thought Larry Fedora was going to be the be the guy that really turned us around, and I was for one year it looked good, but other than that, it was terrible. But I mean, I've just I've been loving the recruiting trail of Mac Brown. I've been ever since Sam. I remember telling people. When Sam Howell flipped his commitment, I was like, this is it. We got our guy. We are going places. And people would tell me, no, he's not going to start. It's going to be a few years. But from the minute he stepped on the field, that kid was the alpha male. He was the guy for the job. He, he has the arm talent. He, I mean, the mental stuff is there. But I think sometimes he just makes bonehead college quarterback mistakes. When he gets dropped into more, when he has to deal with more complicated coverages, and when he gets under under fire, he tries to be a little bit of a hero because he knows what kind of army he has there. Mm-hmm. But but once he gets that stuff under control, man, they're going to be good. And I, I think Carolina's big problem is going to be their defense. Uh, we have there's injuries across the defense. We are not going to stop Clemson. I'm, I'm not going to sit here on this podcast and say that we have a chance against Clemson because I don't know how we're going to do against Miami. And Miami just got routed by Clemson. Miami's defense is way better than the Tar Heels' defense. Um, I, th- I think the Tar Heels can probably do a little better job with Etienne, but I don't see them holding Trevor Lawrence down in the passing game. Just, yeah, I, I, just I agree with the, the Etienne uh, take. I agree our, with that. Our linebackers are just that athletic where we can help with Etienne. I'm going to tell you, man, I, I love to rag on UNC. I love it because, of course, I was brought up as a Duke basketball fan, right? My dad raised me as a to be a big Duke basketball fan. But I think when Sam Howell committed 
Derek, Derek, if you can't tell, we live about about forty five minutes to an hour from Chapel Hill and Durham. So yeah. it's the so, whole so, Carolina Duke thing. Is yeah, big it's deal a big Carolina us. Duke thing uh, around here. But I think when Sam Hill committed, just like you boys, okay, this is going to be their guy, right? Uh, I Dude, think I, everybody everybody I, started to believe. Everybody I, started to believe. Okay, this guy's going to be really good. The guy's a first round lock next year. I'll come out and say it. You know, hopefully I can. You know. Tip my hat and say, "Hey, I, I said that super early." Barring injury, barring injury, barring injury, I, mean, I agree. Injury. I think he's a Heisman candidate next year. He I is mean, a Heisman. If candidate. not, if not by the end of this year, no, he will be a Heisman candidate next year. He's a first round lock next year, barring injury. Exactly. I hope nothing, nothing. I hope he doesn't get injured at all. And unlike Mitch Trubisky, Sam Howell's going to have three years of being the number one quarterback for for Carolina. Yeah, not twelve gonna, games. Yeah, he's going to have. Uh, literally boatloads of of college snaps, virtually as many outside of postseason snaps that that Trevor Lawrence may have, you know, and and against the competition Trevor Lawrence saw. But regular season snaps, Sam Howe's going to see almost as many as Trevor Lawrence, other than, I don't even think Trevor Lawrence, did he start from the day he walked in? I think Sam Howe waited for one turnover. He came in, took over for Kelly Bryant. Kelly Bryant, they took his job, Kelly Bryant went on to Missouri, and Trevor Lawrence, it was the Trevor Lawrence show Mm -hmm. immediately. So I mean, Uh, and I don't don't know if I, I don't want to hope the Steelers end up bad, but I'd, I'd, God, I'm praying that that, that, that Sam Howe ends up in Pittsburgh somehow. I don't think it'll happen. It'll be too high of a draft. Yeah, Yeah, right. some franchise is going to need a oh, future. Man. You'd be all over that Howell Steelers jersey. You'd be over that immediately. I'd, I'd have it the day after the draft. There'd be no, there'd be no waiting. There'd I mean, be no I'll, I'll be honest. Howell started the season slow um, this year, but I, clearly he's got it going now. There wasn't got, as much the practices. They didn't get as many that's practices. True, that's true. You know? That's true. I mean, but you could say slow. you could say the same thing for a lot of a lot of I mean, players. You could say that in the NFL. The, it's in a the NFL, a weird year with a pandemic going on. You know, yeah, exactly. a little bit different year, a little bit different year than we're used to. Um, clearly, Sam Harrell's got it going on now. The guy just went 18 to 23 for 257 yards, three touchdowns. Um, Michael Carter, Bo, your running back, went 17 well, carries for 214 yards and two touchdowns. And then, of course, Dynami Brown went for three receptions, 86 Dayami. yards. Dynami, yeah, not Dynami. Yeah, I always say it wrong. Brown. I always say it wrong. I always misspell it. Come on, man. Got to get my guys right. Yeah, well, I mean, you can't, you can't mention Michael Carter without Javante Williams. They're both oh, running so hard. They are. They're, they're, I mean, I, th- I think I think that, that the, the stats Michael Carter had, that could have been either one of them that day. Um, I don't think I – th- I have thought that I had seen decent running backs come through Carolina, but, like, the these two are giving it a new meaning. I mean, if one of them went down, I wouldn't even be nervous. That's how that's how good they are, like individually. Not saying we want that to happen. I don't want that to happen. What I would never wish to anyone. I'm just saying, (laughs) yeah, it's great to have depth. You know, it's great. It's great that you don't. Both of them can catch passes. Both of them can run. You know, I mean, it's great to know that you have security. You know, and I just think that the the Tar Heels have really really come together schematically with this whole thing. I mean, you saw entire drives where their run game was was the focal point. And I mean they're they know what they have in Sam Howe and they are still running the heck out of the football every every game this season. This is not a one game thing. They have gone to these backs every game hard. So I think it's something they're gonna lean on even with Sam Howe. And I think that's a huge reason. I mean those two are a huge reason they are ranked where they're at. Because they can take those two and control the clock and and the game. When you control the clock, you control the game. Exactly, man. I think 
the offense for the Tar Heels is extremely balanced. Having mm-hmm. a good quarterback in Sam Howell, having good a tight end, everything. good tight end, having Oak a good Corral running back, good. good running back tandem, good wide receiver. It, it, your your offensive line is good. I think the offense is set to be. I'm not going to say a contender, but y'all are up. The, y'all are a super dangerous team. It's the defense. Can the defense get you guys off the field? We we lost a guy team? to um. To uh, I can't think it's the Wolfoot guy we lost uh, yeah. for the academic uh, problems, and now he's in the transfer portal. That was a big loss to our defense. He was really good. Um, I really, really wish he could he could have played the whole season. We needed him, and and you saw. I mean, he, there were guys dropping like flies on Saturday, and I think health could be one of the big things with the, with the Tar Heels if they can if they can find a way to get healthier throughout the season and get some guys back, they'd be in a real good position. Cause I think even this week we're missing storm duck. He's one of our best defensive backs. We're missing him uh, for this Florida state game. And I don't, I think we're going to beat Florida state regardless, but uh, I mean, he's a good guy. You want to have him on the field. He's a good player. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we started, we started a sophomore at cornerback uh, at, at this past uh, game. And I mean, he played really well. I mean, Patrice Renee on the other side is really experienced, but we started, uh, that Carmichael kid on the outside is a sophomore. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's six foot two Oh five. I mean, dealing with those speedy receivers, he did a great job. But as a Georgia fan, I just want to welcome you to the top five, because I'm going to tell you, man, it's blue skies here. The weather's the always great. <laughs> hey, the, what the is wet- that like, by the way? How, how would you guys describe it from a vault? It's, I would say, I would say <laughs> the temperature always hovers around 74. It's always perfect temperature, blue skies, man. I, I think it's, it's a great. lot different. I think it's a lot different for him being a, a Georgia guy and seeing the top five than it is for UNC because you meet a lot of people that don't believe that the Tar Heels are deserving of number five. Sure. And I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to be the guy who's like, oh, we're we're the fifth best team. There's no question about it, because I, I believe there's probably seven to eight teams that on any given day could beat the Tar Heels. Um, I think it's just how they're playing right now. Who the teams they have that they have left to play. I think Notre Dame is very beatable. Um, I mean, if we lose to Miami and beat Notre Dame, I think we're still staring down a top ten rank. You are. Um, I mean, that stuff. It's someone said it to me on today on Facebook. Like, oh, I think Clemson's going to pummel Carolina. Whoop de do. Who isn't Clemson beating? Yeah, what a prediction, right? That doesn't really matter to me. I mean, being that number five sitting up there next to the name North Carolina Tar Heels is huge for recruitment for Mac Brown. And like, and I can't say enough of what Dre Bly has done for the coaching staff and recruitment. Uh, Dre Bly has been—he's like a walking example of why you should come to Carolina is connections, success at the next level, all that stuff. Yeah. So I'm just I'm just in love with the whole I've been I've been all about the program for a long time, even when they're really bad. Um but right now I'm just in love with what the, what they got and I can't wait till I feel safe to go to a game just 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 to see them in there and, and see what Mac Brown's doing in person. I still haven't seen Sam Howell throw a pass in person and it's very upsetting. I'm gonna say this as a Georgia fan, we've put a lot of great players in the NFL, right? I've got to see a lot of a lot of Georgia players that I watched uh, play for the Bulldogs, excel a whole lot in the NFL. But make no mistake about it, the best player to ever step on a football field played at UNC, and you know that yourself, though. 
<laughs> you know that, man. Um, now I'm not going to say that's it. I'm not going to say the same thing in basketball. That could be very controversial right now. We Uh-oh. just had some recent stuff hey, happen. But I'm hey, from Illinois originally. You better tread carefully. Hey, hey my bad, man. I, w- I won't even go that direction. Then I won't. I'm, I'm going to steer completely around that whole that whole subject. <laughs> I don't want to get too controversial and lose listeners. Right? But uh, Derek, I told you I had a big question for you, and I'm very interested to hear this this answer from you. When it comes to likeness, image, and things like that, college athletes, what do you think about, obviously, we're, we're talking about possibly, you know, players making money um, from their name. How far away are we from getting back, a, uh, say, an NCAA football game? Oh, man. You know, that's actually, that's one of my favorite angles there. I loved playing those games growing up. And I think, you know, there. I don't think it was entirely clear why you had certain franchises take off like Madden. Obviously you had a very strong legacy as one of the deeper earlier video games. It was a series that everybody got, you know, and they still get year after year. Um, You had competing NBA games, uh, you know, other franchises, the show, you know, you've got different, different iterations there, but the college athletes, they never really got the full recognition, um, you know, that they probably should have gotten. I mean, this, you know, you could argue that there was kickback that went to the schools and went to the NCAA um, and just about everybody but the college athlete on that video game. So with this, I, I don't think that that's too far down the road. Um, and frankly, I, I, I pulled something up previously and hoped to uh, perhaps leverage it in. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, there's there's a website called, uh, it's power.gg, uh, P-O-W-R dot G-G. And it's more or less just a developing platform. It's an example of what I think college athletes are going to be able to tap into next. Um, you know, I'm, I guess maybe I'm, I'm trying trying to uh, find a way to never grow up or something, but I'd love to say that we could make money off of video games here. And when these guys aren't in season and they've got a little bit of spare time, um, there's already several uh, athletes as of right now, I'm looking at it, it looks like 62 uh, professional athletes, MLB players. Uh, it looks like some NBA players that are on this platform. They more or less, um, you know, are kind of spending some time with people playing for 30 minutes or an hour or, you know, you book a session and you go and you do these things. So, yeah, I mean, I think the more that the more that these people do the same things, I mean, you've you've got a lot of people that, uh, you know, when they're not in, in the middle of their season, they're tweeting about, you know, their Call of Duty uh, kill streaks or whatever. Hmm. Um, I think we could tie a lot of those together. And it's not crazy to think that uh, the NCAA franchise games, uh, you know, or, or maybe the NCAA doesn't even exist in five years and it's something else entirely, um, you know, but I definitely think that that was something we all we all like to play. I don't. I don't know anybody who didn't oh, like those games. Liked, loved liked. it. That's a very. It's a very uh, weak word for what I yeah. got out of that video game. That is. I didn't want to go out and say it was better than Madden, but I always preferred it. To oh Madden. no, it's I no. Mean, it's, it's better than Madden. You know what I miss? I miss the mascot games where you can be oh, the mascots. <laughs> that was so much fun. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you something about that. As a kid, you did not find more entertainment than doing the mascot game. And playing with Stanford and just being a bunch of pine trees running down the yard. <laughs> no, was it pine trees? I don't know what it is. It's yeah, just a it's, bunch it's of trees. Banana pine. slugs, man. Just you gotta a, go banana a, slugs. The, the bananas. <laughs> the, the, just being a bunch of trees running around. You throw throw it with no arms and catch it with no arms. Oh, like it was Syracuse awesome. orange. They were oh, ridiculous. It, it was yeah. it was so much fun, man. And and Derek, I'm gonna tell you right now, it's better than the Madden, you know, Madden yeah. series. I think 100. percent I mean, I spent 
that game, it was NCAA 06. And that game to me was was everything. I mean, I spent all summer playing that game. And yep. I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they stopped making the game in 2014. Um, and I'm pretty sure, Bo, I think it was Michigan's Denard Robinson, the quarterback, who was the last cover athlete. Yep. Um, but you gotta, you gotta have an Xbox 360 to play that thing. Hey, that's right. <laughs> you can't. You're not getting out of any of the new. The have new you seen um, Barstool the stream that with the they've had? They, I think what's his name, Big Cat. He's uh, been playing like a three-year dynasty or something like that oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. on his 360 and he twitch streams it and and That's i just awesome. was like how does he like how, I, I was freaking out when i first saw it because i thought it was backwards compatible and mm-hmm. if somehow you could have played that oh i they could name their price i'd pay 60 bucks to play NCAA 14 on xbox one anytime they want i've been playstation take- microsoft you know now that they're going cross-platform it's not crazy mm-hmm. to think that they've had that uh that source code they could have tapped into for a minute oh, the retroactive this. capacity yes for yeah. sure Derek, let me say this this is something that caught me off guard and this is from multiple people that i've heard this from i have asked multiple people um friends just acquaintances things like that that do do any of you still go back and play on your old consoles and play the old ncaa football games and the majority of them, I'd say 85% of the people that I've asked, have said yes, like regularly. They go oh, yeah. back and will play a 2013 college football game. That's how much it, it, that's how much it was liked. And I think if that made a comeback, oh, man. I mean, that that would be huge. That, It'll come yeah. back. It's, I think it's a matter of when. It will come back. It's just when. When yeah. will it? Yeah, I think okay. so. And that's, it's a really interesting one that I, I you know, I, I, maybe it just went away more or less because the sales weren't there to quite justify the amount of licenses they had to acquire from. I mean, I, I know for a fact, whenever you try to put a power T on something, it costs you a good amount of money if you're going to do it and, and you know, do it uh, for, for profit. Um, you got to go through a lot of a lot of regulatory hurdles to get that done. Uh, you know, and that's that's something that's not going to necessarily change immediately because the, the universities have their own intellectual property interests that aren't going to go away. Uh, the, the fact that the students are now going to have things that they can openly tap into that, um, you know, your, your name, image, and likeness right. It's more or less a code name for a trademark, um, you know, for yourself. And you can actually file and obtain federal trademarks on on different things that you can do. And especially if you're creating logos or, um, you know, branding yourself, as we were talking about earlier, um, you know, that's, that's something that you can go and you can tap into as long as your contract allows you to do it. So it's just really a, it's a system question. How does the system respond and how does it capitalize, um, you know, on whichever opportunities are going to be there? And um, I think you're going to see a shift. At least I've, I've spoken with a few people in different athletic departments that that feel like there's a trend, uh, you know, more and more towards recognizing that, um, you know, these athletes that we've always just told them no, no, no. You know, it's, the YouTube thing's a good example. It's like, well, how could he have done it without violating, um, you know, whatever the policy was, uh, you know, specifically? It's like maybe if he, he didn't make money off of it, or you know, maybe if uh, it wasn't related to his football presence in a certain specific way, you know. It wasn't actually his football name image likeness or something, but nobody ever tried to take that angle. They just said, absolutely not. Um, you know, it's not worth risking our scholarships and, and whatever. And I, you totally understand, um, you know, when you're trying to be competitive, that that's a, that's a, a question. Um, you know, I think you mentioned the Bruce Pearl situation earlier. You don't want to end up uh, it, with that publicity or anything. Yeah. Um you know, but at the same time, now that's not necessarily a, a hurdle. I, I think that we could get that that group uh, interest, which is perhaps why the people, um, you know, like Trevor Lawrence, who man, that's I hate talking about him because that dude, he should have been wearing orange, you know, the other color. Uh, it's that's we won't even go there. But how different uh, would it be Martin if Trevor well, Lawrence was singing Rocky Top right now? Oh, I mean, yeah, tell Lord. me how how much different would the college football world be? Oh my gosh, I mean, 
yeah, that's that's the life of a Vols fan. <laughs> he wouldn't have he wouldn't have as many wins as he does in the ACC. That's for sure. He, he yeah. also yeah. the ACC is a little bit tougher. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He knew that. He knew but that. that being said, he I think he and um you know the other group of athletes that tweeted this was probably about four weeks ago, maybe six weeks ago at this point. Um, you know, it was when they were talking about the COVID stuff and saying, you know, we want to play. Uh, I think there was there was somebody else that's uh, I, I believe a football player from Stanford, more or less, that had been taken in charge with it uh, as well. But these guys are they're being vocal and they're using their platform. And um, you know, I really I can get behind everything that they're trying to do. I don't think they're making any outrageous demands. I don't think there's anything that they're they're identifying as a problem that everybody hasn't been talking about um, for years at this point and I think they're they're entirely justified to want to go about it the way that they are um, you know so let's let's hope that we can all be playing as as uh you know I guess it probably won't be Trevor Lawrence for sure by the time they get these games pushed <laughs> through but um, you know whoever it is next I mean it's it's one of those things where I don't think people have to be selfish it's a it's a wheel that can always spin it can always kind of kick back and you know maybe even like I mentioned earlier get everybody some dividends um, you know even if they never sell a jersey uh, you know, some recognition that they were part of that team that, uh, you know, led to led to whatever greatness you could commemorate within a within a video game. Right. Derek, I want to ask you one last question. Now, when me and you talked, you said that there was a possibility that you and D'Lo could be coming out with your own podcast. And I'm going to yeah, tell you what, yeah, man, so sports you, you are such stuff, Sorry, such a ahead. well-spoken guy, such a well. I just want to say you are such a well-spoken guy. I wish I could rattle off information the way that you can because i I'm, I'm gonna tell you right now i'm jealous you got me i fumble over all my words and stuff and you are you've got you've got the um you're so articulate yeah you're so articulate i mean a podcast a football listen, podcast you can tell listen, we're a football podcast yeah, yeah exactly right well every now and then it, it tends to be a ramble more than anything else you know but uh, i guess they the, the gift of gab was was one of the funnier ones that my chemistry yeah, teacher uh threw out there uh like well i don't know what it means when your chemistry teacher says that but okay <laughs> um <laughs> but no uh and Delo, he, he he totally he can chime in and he can keep beat with with the perfect angles that you know this whole thing has just come together so naturally as we talked about earlier um you know so which is where the sports life business angle really just made sense so that's the name that we latched on to he'd been he'd been leveraging that platform for um like i said probably about 10 years so you know, once we could, once we could kind of identify that that was something that's, you know, it's, it's entirely, uh, you know, complimentary. It, it really just kind of adds on top of itself with his experience and where it could go potentially with uh, the intellectual property and the legal overlaps. It just feels good to be able to speak with people that have the best, um, you know, interest of the athlete, uh, not knowing exactly what it means for the future. But, you know, this is a conversation that needs to be had. And the more that we can kind of put fuel on that fire, that's the goal. Um, but yeah, so sports life business. That's what we're going to be rolling out, and it's actually going to be posted through um, one of our affiliates. It's the Volunteer Roadshow. Uh, if you go to volunteerroadshow.com, that's where uh, our, our landing page will eventually be through. And they've already got some other content, too, um, you know, as you'll – you might notice if you check out that website, uh, we've, we've got some pretty deep Tennessee connections that have been former football players that went through, uh, you know, similar versions of what D'Lo explained uh, that have turned themselves into entrepreneurs that have given back to the community through nonprofit and for-profit businesses. Um, you know, so they're they're more or less going to be doing our recording and our producing, um, you know, but that's that's going to be our, our spot for now. And then we'll probably turn that into something, you know, at one, at one point in time to see if, uh, you know, we get some interviews. I represent a couple of professional athletes. Uh, so we're, we're thinking we're going to go ahead and uh, after seasons are done, get some uh, 
you know, non-injury prone activities, maybe some trick shot golf competitions, things like that. So oh, we could have yeah, some more probably. live content, but um, yeah, we'll be pushing out the podcast here in the next few weeks um, as this situation evolves and as we can kind of break down some of the, the technical aspects of what, what is getting ready to be on the table for these athletes. Yeah, man. And you know, you know, we've, we've had you and D-Lo on the, the TSR podcast and now, you know, we just, me and Bo, we just got to make an appearance, man. We're just going to have to come on right. and, and talk, talk with <laughs> well, you guys. You guys on, have that angle podcast. too. It really, you, you guys have been, um, you know, participating in the space and focused on, uh, you know, a side of it where it, you guys have been pulling attention to the people that otherwise, you know, weren't getting as, as much of the, the discussion as they needed to be able to leverage that platform at the next level too. So you guys are, you know, hundred uh, percent swimming in the same circle. And I think it's going to continue to be that way. I think it's going to be great, man. Um, Derek, thank you so much for coming on the show and explaining to people what you were doing. Um, I find it super interesting and find it super cool as well that that you guys, you and D-Lo, are, are both so determined to help out athletes around the country. And it, it's, it speaks volumes. It does, that you're reaching out trying to help help these people. You know, uh, I think it's a, a, an amazing, amazing thing that you're doing. And, you know, I love it because, of course, I'm trying to help small school athletes. That's what TSR is all about, is helping small school athletes um, get their name out there um, and, and get it out there to where it maybe wouldn't be before because they don't get the same media attention and things like that. But, again, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. And and you and D-Lo are always welcome to come back on. And you will always be, be friends of TSR, man. It, it's been a blast talking with you. Well, we appreciate it. It's been a pleasure here as well. Yeah, man. And guys, please go give some love to Derek Furlow Jr., a.k.a. D-Lo. He's gone now. He had to leave earlier. But guys, please go follow him on Instagram at Derek Furlow Jr. and on Twitter at Derek Furlow Jr. And you can find both of these guys at sportslifebusiness.com. Guys, please go follow me on Twitter at ScoutingLLC and follow TSR on Instagram at Scouting underscore LLC. Go follow Blitzalytics at Blitzalytics on Twitter, and go visit Blitzalytics.com. Go to the Members tab, find Jacob Patterson, check out the articles and the scouting reports that I have written. Bo, let them know where to find you, man. You can find me on Twitter, uh, capital T-S-R, lowercase B-E-A-U. That's at T-S-R Bo. And you can find me on stillcurtain.com. I got the Power Rankings article coming out tomorrow, uh, probably tomorrow afternoon, so you have that coming out weekly from me. All right, guys, as always, go subscribe, go give a review, and go TSR. Peace out, everybody.